So welcome everybody to a new episode of Modern Immigrant. I'm so excited to be here with Paola, our modern immigrant today. So welcome Paola, bienvenida. Thank you, Edo. Um, I love the work that you do, love your podcast, um, and it is a complete honor to be here. Thank you for oh. amplifying our stories, our narratives, our voices. The honor is mine because hearing that somebody wants to share their story really makes me happy. Um, we need to continue to share them and we need to continue to speak up about what we're feeling. So I'm excited that you had the courage to do so today. <laughs> I know it's not easy. It definitely feels courageous, I have to say. I, it is. It is a courageous act. Like I have many immigrants that I'm like, you should come to the podcast. And they're like, I'm not ready. And that's totally okay too. So I, I know that sometimes we need to be on a different part of our journeys to be able to talk about them. Yeah. So um, why don't we start by hearing where and when that immigration journey started uh, for you or started for you? Yeah, of course. So I am originally from Colombia, from Bogota. Um at the age of 14, um, I moved to the United States with my mother and my sister via chain migration. So uh, the three of us moved here uh, with our green card. Uh, at the time, my father unfortunately had to stay in Colombia. And uh, that was a uh, very difficult experiences. We had always lived the four of us together. Um, the separation was quite rough, um, especially because we did not know when we'd see him again. Um, yeah, so that was, that was a hard part of the experience. I, when we moved to the United States, we moved to New Jersey and we were, um, as I mentioned before, lucky enough to have family members here. So we moved in here with, uh, my family, with my grandmother, uh, my aunts and my cousins, um, at the time, there were nine of us in a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> That's a very common immigrant experience when we arrive. Mm -hmm. Right. So that made for an interesting time. I mean, they were kind enough to, you know, take us in and embrace us. Um, but yeah, there were nine people. And I think none of us were used to so many people in that enclosed space. Right. And different ages, right? Because like, how old was your sister? So my sister was, she's two years younger than me. Okay. Um, my cousins, one of them happens to be two, about two to three years older than I am. Okay. okay. Um, another one happened to be about maybe five years older than I was. And another so, one was my age. So, so many kids, different ages, different stages. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Different developmental stages as yes. well. Yeah. So different needs. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, like within that, like we were so lucky to have family here. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like the beginning of, of the story. Uh, we yeah. started, I started going to high school upon my arrival here pretty soon after, which was another. How was that? Oh my goodness. I have had conversations with immigrants that say that that was one of the hardest things that they remember, like entering high school or any school, like, stage as an immigrant can you tell us yeah what was the hardest or how was that experience for you yeah it was definitely a difficult experience so I was 14 at the time um mm. didn't speak the language and the community where we lived there weren't many um Latinos there mm. uh so 
that was a little bit hard because I, you know, came to get an education. I had always taken uh, school very seriously, moved here, was supposed to learn in a language I didn't speak, was supposed to socialize, make friends in a language I didn't speak. So that was quite difficult, obviously, mm -hmm. but also like culturally, the way in which, you know, schooling, everything happens in Colombia is actually quite different, like so socialization on its own. Um, Could you give us like an example, like for, for listeners that might not know, like how would that socialization occurred in Colombia versus um, in the US in based on your experience, of course? Yeah, based on my experience, of course. Yeah. So in Colombia, when I was there, I was going to an all female school. So that on its own. Right. That's another whole. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> right. You wear uniform. Yes. Like there's a way in which like things are a little a little bit easier in that sense. Um, there's a high focus on education as well, which felt very different from my experience here. Right. So there was no uniform, which meant that uh, we had to go clothing shopping. We had to worry about what we wore to school. Uh, it was something I was not used to. Um, it added a little, a layer of complexity for me too, especially right. because at that point you start to pick up on how, what you wear, how you dress, who you social, who you socialize with, um, has a way of adding social capital to you. Yeah. It's almost like you can tell the status, the class status easily, how much money someone has based on like the brands of the clothes that they're wearing, like the shoes, like mm -hmm. that's something that I do feel like in Venezuela, I also grew up with like going to uniforms and everyone was kind of like looking the same and that made it a little easier in a certain way. Because like, okay, we're all the same, even though once you start getting into that socialization piece, you realize that we're not, but at least visually. Right. At least visually, you mm -hmm. don't have to worry when you're in class of like what you're wearing, which I, I even hear that here, of like people who have grown up here, you know what I mean? But grew up in poverty, like there was a way in which like if you weren't wearing the shoes. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you can pick up on that. And kids are very... They can be very mean <laughs> and teenagers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's a way in which like the experience felt quite different. Um, mm -hmm. And again, like, I think th that's another piece that here when you, when I came, went to high school, um, mm -hmm. there was uh, a way in which you started to realize again, like that social uh, capital piece, like who hung out with who. Um, it, it felt that there were like groups of people that you were supposed to hang out with mm. and maybe some that you shouldn't hang out with. Yes. Um, so I think I started to pick up on that, on 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 what it meant for me to be friends with whom. And um, there's something that I will always remember uh, when I first got here, like the early 2000s movies uh, that happened in high school would always have this, token person who didn't speak the language and that person was always made fun of in the movie and I think I very early started to internalize um that that made me different right that there was mm -hmm. a way in which like I what I my social capital was different than that from those who mm -hmm. spoke the language a hundred percent did that I'm just like hearing you say that and I'm just thinking about like yourself at that age how were you processing like the fact that you were at school, you needed to also pay attention to classes. You also like, you were like navigating all the cultural and social 
elements, but you were also a teenager that needed to be learning from like a class. And so how do you think that impacted you? Like emotionally, like, yeah, I'm just like, wow, that was like so rough, like navigating so many things and then going home and at home, there was another dimension as well, I'm sure. Yeah, another layer to navigate. Um, Mm -hmm. I think at first I really leaned into school into though it felt like it was the only thing that I could control uh, making yes. sure like, making sure that I studied making sure that I could focus on uh, my grades which the first year um you know I did really well in school but after that first year things definitely began to change in that area because I started to realize that my education wasn't as valued um as my ability to socialize oh, so I shifted I see to focusing more on like, well, how can I make friends? Which again, at the time, it was quite difficult given the fact that I didn't speak the language. Um, but I shifted yeah. definitely in that sense. Right, because then you started learning the language. So you were like, okay, now I can socialize, right? Now I feel more comfortable or not. <laughs> no. No, actually, really. No. Yeah, for me, mm-hmm. it took, I want to say like a good five years to actually feel comfortable speaking the language. Thank you for saying that. Because I think even as immigrants going through the immigration process, I think we expect that things are going to happen way faster for ourselves. And they really don't. Like, they they really don't. Because, and I think in a way, normalizing that can help us and can help people listening. Because it's like, I don't know in what point or your immigration you might be at right now that you're listening. But like, it's okay if you haven't you know, hit that, that goal or that milestone that other people maybe accomplish faster, because you really like, again, look at all the things that were playing out in your life. Like, of course, it took five years, you know, it, it could have taken even more. Um, so that's, that sounds really rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say that, you know, for myself, I got here when I was 14. So I got into like, maybe like, that sweet spot where I could Still, still learn the language True. Uh, easier right yes. so and, and for me like to fully feel like I feel comfortable it took five years I also want to say that for myself like there was like a personality piece that played a role here because I think I'm more likely especially at that time I was more likely to not take the risk mm. to speak the language because it wasn't yes. perfect um wow. which probably impacted mm-hmm. how fast it happened for me Totally. That feeling more introverted, maybe like, um, I don't want to be because you'd also want to be pointed out, like, at that age, you want to belong, and you want to be just like the rest, and you don't want to stand out. So like speaking was probably like the one thing that everyone would be like, oh, wait, she's different. Um, Like the one more like major thing. So what do you think helped you like overcome? or survive those years um yeah was it like someone that you felt like really supported you throughout that process someone at school um or yeah what what do you think helped you get through those difficult times at least at that time because I know we're gonna jump to like more present times as well yeah you know I I think like that's a difficult um question to answer Mm -hmm. and not because I don't find the answer but because the answer is you know I actually navigated all of that on my own you know Mm -hmm. um eventually so about a year after um my sister my mother and I moved Mm -hmm. to the United States my father joined us um at the time when he joined us he 
came for a work-related thing and stayed. So he stayed um, while being undocumented. Mm. Um, and he stayed and he began to work. So both of my parents worked uh, very long shifts, which meant that they were less available to um, really like pay attention to what, what was happening for us. You know, I mean, right. like you're trying right. to like absolutely survive at that point. Yeah. Um, and so I have to say, and again, like, I wish this wasn't the answer, but I think I had to navigate it pretty much on my own. Um, I had some friendships, which I think were helpful, um, for sure. Um, but friendships that were basically on the same position as I was. Oh, really? They were also immigrants. Yeah. Not right. Navigating the same experiences. Um, so maybe that would be the answer, just kind of not being alone in the experience. And that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that so many of us can connect on that. Like just meeting, even if it's one person can save a whole, like, yeah, just can make the whole experience a little better. Just the fact that you can be like, oh, you're going through the same or, you know, let's laugh about this or let's complain together about this unfair situation. So I'm glad to hear that there was that. And I'm also glad to hear that you're being, you know, honest in the fact that you you did a lot of the work by yourself and that shows just like that strength and resiliency within you it's just so much work thank you yes. yeah and some of us have to navigate it in that mm -hmm. way too you know yes. I mean it, for myself at that age differently than my parents but my parents are moving probably through the same process you know what right I mean? right um, yes. yeah so I think that could be such a common part of the immigrant yeah. experience yeah how do you think things started to change throughout your immigration journey? Like, um, what would you say something that had really stand out throughout these years as a very specific or unique part of your life because you're an immigrant or because you have been navigating immigration? Yeah, um, you know, I feel like I can navigate things differently mm. than my peers have. Um, I, I mean, I think there are a couple of things. Um, one of the things that I often talk about is that I notice what can happen with some of my friends who are immigrants when compared to those who are not immigrants is that those of us who are immigrants um, are more willing to take risks. Um, I yes. think with my immigrant friends, we have this conversation. So like, yeah. what, what do we have to lose if we take this risk? You know, like, what do we have to lose if we take this chance? Yes, that is such a beautiful thing to say. We're just yeah. like, we got this. Like, we did it once. We can do it yeah. again. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's one of them. Um, yeah. I would say also the fact that I would I consider myself, myself bicultural, bilingual. Um, yes. I can navigate two spaces. I would say even three for those of us who are Latinx, you know, like I could navigate the space of being Colombian. I could navigate the space of being a Latina in the United States, which is like a... a, a a culture of its own, and then, you know, the cultural being an American. Being from here as well. Yes, that's so amazing. And I know, like, in the, something that really caught my attention when we first started emailing each other for this interview was that you, you talk about being the older daughter of an immigrant family. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I just want to explore that a little bit more because you brought it up, and I'm interested in hearing how that identity that you have has yeah shaped or impacted you because I know a lot of immigrants that you know they were immigrant kids and then they're growing up in the U.S. 
they wear like multiple hats and tons of responsibility. So how was that for, for you? Yeah, I have to say that I share that experience with um, the eldest uh, yes. children of immigrant families. <laughs> yes. um, I, Where are I, you at? <laughs> Where are <right>? you? <laughs> yes. um, I definitely, to this day, I would say I'm like the CEO of my family. Um, yeah. Started at age 14, 15, and it has continued until now. Um, and I, I, I've shared with you that I am in the field of mental health and I work with individuals who are also acculturating or have experienced some acculturation issues. And mm -hmm. I find this to happen so often as well. The eldest child, especially daughters, um, yeah. who become the CEOs of the family. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I see and experience is this inability to put things down to be like the one who always has to take care of things mm -hmm. um it started then it continues now um and so yeah I definitely noticed that mm -hmm. and it's had its way of also playing like a positive role in my life right because it helped me it really helped me see what my abilities are um wow. yeah mm -hmm. um I think the fact that I had to like learn how to na navigate things really early on, the mm -hmm. fact that I had to like be sometimes like the lawyer, you know, um, the translator, the translator, advocate mm -hmm. um, for my family has made it so that I have pursued a path that can help me continue to do those things. Um, one of the things that I it really matters to me is to empower others. Um, and that definitely absolutely comes from that role that I played in my family, for sure. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And and I just wonder, like, I'm also in the field of mental health. So I'm really interested in, in hearing what what brought you to that field, what specifically you're doing today um, with your work. And I always explore how your immigration or immigration from the people I interview have impacted the decisions of the fields and the professions they pick. Cause I know they're not a coincidence. So <laughs> they're not. <laughs> um, so I currently am a clinical psychologist, uh, emphasizing in health, uh, psychology, um, all of my lived experiences since I arrived to the U S I think have led me this way, as I mentioned before, uh, advocating for my family just became like natural to me and um, seeing maybe other families needing that same level of advocacy mm -hmm. continue to um, drive me to pursue a um, degree in this field. I currently work with um, the community of the Bronx. Okay. Uh, right. So I work with the community of the Bronx, which is like a very diverse community, really wonderful community to work with. Um, I work with asylum seekers as well. Um, I think my dad's immigration experience definitely um, empowered me, encouraged me. Um, yes. Drove me to care about that community. Um, and so that's some of the work that I'm doing right now. Um, as I mentioned, I do have psychology as well. I think a lot of the experiences that some of us immigrants can have have a way of impacting our physical health as well. Stress, like direct line to other physical health difficulties. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm doing right now. That is so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing that connection between 
what you experience and what you're doing right now. And I can only imagine how well you can connect to those immigrants and, and, and people that you're working with that are going through that experience that might not find representation in that field or in that area when they're seeking support or, you know, usually you find that the support is coming from a person that has no idea what, what you're going through. So I know they probably feel like, yes, she gets me. She understands what I'm going through. So, um, that's, that's really pretty. Um, we, we do talk a lot about that connection between our mental health and our physical health. Is there something that you feel like you would like to share with immigrants that might be listening in like, Mm-hmm. what can they do if they're and, and and I know this is not like necessarily like professional advice of like go do this for the person listening but yeah what have you seen as helpful for people to explore when they're immigrants and they want to start addressing their mental health or taking care of it yeah of course thank you for asking that question I think it's so important um so one of the things that I would recommend or you know, encourage you to explore is actually processing your immigration uh, Mm -hmm. experience. I think that part can be so helpful for so many of us. Um, In my experience, both like as a mental health provider, but also in my own experience, one of the things Mm -hmm. that I've noticed is that when you move from your country to the U.S. or any other country for that matter, I think there's a way in which you have to be an autopilot to be able to survive that piece of being in survival mode can be so real for so many of us, whether we are adult or children, I think. Yes. Um, and so making this space to kind of make sense of your immigration experience, of the ways in which like it has impacted you can be very important. Yes. I know that I have made my own space in therapy for that. Um, and I shared with you that I sometimes can become very emotional um in talking about this and it's because I realized that there's a lot there for me you know uh that doesn't go away just with time you know because if anything for so many of us it just like continues to layer um when we come from a different country especially historically if we're coming because we are trying to improve our situation um again like we come to this country and just like hit the ground running and what can happen for so many of us is that we don't get off the rat race until like our health or something tells us like you need to slow down you need to yes Mm -hmm. and so I would say like making the space to process the experience um find community um people who may have had similar histories or who understand your history uh for me finding friends who have made the time to process their own uh, experiences has been really helpful because we've been able to sit down and I've been able to sit down with them and like really talk about like what comes up for me mm-hmm. and they've been able to kind of name some things for me that have helped me get over the rat race <laughs> one and also like they've pointed out to me how I've been in survival mode for whatever many years and even the fact like the 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 fact that you're feeling emotional or that, as you mentioned before we started recording, like, I get emotional when I'm talking about this. To me, that says a lot about how much you have been processing it. Because mm-hmm. I think when we haven't processed our trauma or our immigration journeys, um, we get numb 
and we shut down and we might not even cry, right? We're just like, I'm fine. I'm doing good. This is just not. And to me, when I see that reaction, I say, well, this person is not even close to being able to open up or explore it. So it shows how much work you have done too with 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 yourself either in therapy or in other ways or talking to your friends because you're getting to that point of saying yeah this is how I feel maybe I need to cry maybe but but you're feeling it right like that's already like you're hitting another another stage in your in that journey so mm-hmm. I I think I would encourage people to connect to to those feelings and really allow them to exist like I'm feeling sad like we don't get the opportunity to feel sad when we're in survival mode and when I look back at like my worst years as an immigrant I couldn't even talk about it right and if you would have asked me I would have been like oh everything is fine like no problem I decided to come here no issues with the fact that I can't go back home and it's like no now when I now when I do talk about it it's like wow that was so terrible and so difficult and and I even feel like a little sad for for that Beto that had to you know push those feelings down mm-hmm. um so I yeah. I really resonate with that mm. yeah. yeah yeah I mean and it's survival right like mm. it works it works for us to not come in contact yes. with them because imagine if we did. Right. No, exactly. It's serving a purpose at a time and at a period. Um, yeah. I also would like to ask you, and I know we're heading, we're, we're, we have like 10 more minutes or so, but I do feel really interested in asking you, what was your, like, when you think about sharing your immigration journey in a space like this, and I know it's too short of a time and in an interview to go through all of the things, what is something that you would like to to share in this space? Something that you feel like has really shaped your immigration, impacted it, or that you feel like other people would benefit from listening? Or maybe that first thought that you that you had when you said, I do want to share my story in modern immigrant. Yeah. Um, I think it felt important for me to reach out to you and to kind of like accept that you know being vulnerable about this could be helpful to someone else that part it feels very important I shared it with you at the beginning I think hearing more of our stories can help us see ourselves in someone else and that seeing ourselves in someone else can really help us think about how we might want to get to the spaces that other people have um, gotten to yes it can even inspire right Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to me, that piece, that piece feels important, right? Like when a uh, 14-year-old Paula got here, I never thought I'd become a doctor. You know what I mean? Like, was the hope there? Of course, you know, but I, I don't think I was seeing myself in spaces to say I could do that. And I think the more we see ourselves in others, the more we believe we can actually be there. You know what I mean? Um, oh, that is so beautiful. <laughs> it's true. It's mm-hmm. It opens up an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In that, I also want to acknowledge that sometimes like getting to the spaces can be very difficult. Um, it took me, so I wanted, I knew I wanted to become a doctor in psychology from the time I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. But my road here looks very different than that of people who grew up here. Um, 
I, from ages 15 to about 17, I worked in the same like packing factory that my parents did, right? Um, when I finished high school, I had to um, wait for a while to actually, well, I went to undergrad and after undergrad, I had to go into work. You know, I couldn't just say like, okay, from, from, from undergrad, I'll go to graduate school. I had to go into the work field, um, the workforce rather, because, you know, I needed to save money or I needed to pay for things. And it took me a while to actually apply for graduate school. And so my road here has looked different, you know, and like my encouragement for the people who are listening to us mm -hmm. is that your road to spaces might look different, might feel different, might... Might just be very different than the people that have had the opportunities, right? But it doesn't mean that we can make our own road there. It's just it looks a little different. That's it all. just looks a little different, and that that makes us who we are, and that makes that authenticity. And back to the point of like now, you're able to help people that are going through similar experiences. Like that makes such a unique um, experience for you to be able to reach others. And if you didn't go through all of those ups and downs, or if you didn't have to take those breaks before going to what you wanted, you know, the impact right now would be different. The impact oh. in your of your work would be completely different and it would be valid and okay and helpful for a lot, but it just wouldn't be the same. It really wouldn't. So, and maybe you wouldn't be here talking about it, right? Like you wouldn't be talking about your immigration journey because, you know, maybe you didn't hit any, any bumps on the road. So I think it's just really pretty to hear that and to understand that, it's okay if things don't look as perfect or as sometimes we also just hear like maybe somebody like at the beginning of the interview would have heard that you're now a doctor in psychology and you're doing this work and they would have been like oh it was probably so easy for her right mm -hmm. and now that we're getting to actually hear your story we're like oh okay so maybe I can do that too because because I'm also right now having to just work and I couldn't apply to my master's right away so like Whenever you open up that question and that opportunity for people to share their stories, you really realize that nobody had it easy, really. Like we just see like a, a one dimension phase, um, but it's it's complicated. It's it's complicated, but it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it definitely has felt complicated, but yeah, here you are. Here I am. <laughs> you are. I'm so proud of, of all the things you have been able to accomplish. I'm really honored to have the opportunity to have met you and have you on the podcast. I feel like this conversation is going to help a lot of people. Maybe they can start feeling inspired or motivated to go for that career they feel like they put aside or they, they think, you know, they don't find representation there. I think like maybe maybe revisit that idea yeah, for sure uh, any encourage that yeah yes um awesome I don't know if there's anything else you want to share before we say goodbye again so grateful that you are here yeah of course um no I mean again just very grateful for the work that you're doing thank you for highlighting our voices um it's really wonderful to learn from people who have had some similar like experiences to the ones that I've had um yes. and like this is what I mean by community too um exactly. just hearing our own stories can be really wonderful thank you so much Paula um again it was an honor to have you on the show thank you an honor to meet you thank you for the work that you do oh thank you